You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 143. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. We have a great show planned for you this week in our one-on-one versus debate. We debate two heavyweights in home improvement, the Home Depot, Inc., HD on the New York Stock Exchange, and Lowe's Companies, symbol L-O-W on the New York Stock Exchange. Both have produced strong gains year-to-date driven by stay-at-home DIY projects and a great deal of free money and flea money slushing around in the economy. We debate which is better value today. Brennan takes Lowe's and Aaron gives you his pitch for Home Depot. I will sit in as judge, jury, and executioner. So let's get right into our show this week. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. How are you? Nice to be here. Doing really well. Doing well. Uh, weather's yep. getting really Brennan nice. Brennan and I are, are back uh, back up against yep. each other. Ooh. battling. Brennan's looking for that numero uno win, the first win, right? I'm feeling right. good about this one. You know, I'm usually feeling good about it, but I'm really feeling good about yeah, this well, one. Oh, so. That track you record of feeling good. good. Yep, Looks I am. Good. Okay, okay. We'll, well Home Depot Good. is actually part of a U.S. dividend investing report that we we recently put out. So I had taken a look at Lowe's and Home Depot before and had some research on on Home Depot in there. Um, it's good now to have I, the opportunity to... I purposely looked at neither right ahead of this, so I would have a fresh yeah. and open Nor mind going in. As the judge. Nor should I. No biases. Impartial. So we thought we'd start, too, by looking at a couple points, or at least one main point that came out of Berkshire Hathaway's annual meeting. Um, it was a, I saw a great tweet on this, and Buffett, one of his first points that he made when he was talking about the overall arching point of that he does not think the average person uh, can pick stocks. But he, his first point, he talked about um, how the top companies, I think there was a, it's 20 companies, in 1989 by market cap uh, in in the world, none of them were on that list if we fast forward 30 years to today. Uh, it's amazing. You know, he asked that question, how many do you think will be on that list from 30 years ago if we fast forward to today? There was zero. And it was a, quite the list of companies there. There was uh, back in 1989, which this goes back to, there were six from the United States and 14 from other companies. The largest company with a $104 billion market cap was the Industrial Bank of Japan. Doesn't even appear on the list at all. None of these companies, in fact, appear on that list. It's it's quite a shocking list. And today... You to see the number of, of Japanese companies that are on that list, basically dominating the list back in 1989. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable, unbelievable fall for uh, those companies, really. But and then many of them just been superseded by some of the behemoths now, some of the tech giants, the Apples, the Microsofts, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook. Uh, you know, from China, Tencent, uh, right up to Tesla now too. But now we have, you know, back then, 1989 from the U.S., there were six companies. Today, 13. So the United States just absolutely dominating uh, the top 20 companies in terms of market cap in the world. And we listed off some of those names. Not a single company from Japan there. Uh, the second largest company in the world uh, is from Saudi Arabia. Arabia, it's Saudi Aramco. Many people would not know that that company. And Aaron just commented on this. It's surprising that it has a market cap larger than Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook. You know, some of the giants from China, like Tencent and Alibaba, as well. It's, it's really interesting. And and the question posed, uh, I, we saw this question posed on Twitter. So how many on today's list? And it says will even be there 20 years hence. I would go 30 years because this was 30 years ago. So we'll apples to apples there. But now 30 years in the future, how many do you guys think will be on that list? I don't know. It, maybe a couple, maybe a couple. Go on, Aaron, though, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, it's. I mean, it's it's impossible. Nobody knows what. Of course, I mean, but it's hard what, to what imagine some not like on that list. Years, but one thing that I, I, I think that's very interesting is if you look at the companies um, on this list, like the tech giants specifically, um, just in terms of the culture of innovation and how it exists in those companies today. I mean, just as an example, Google, we think of Google as search engines, digital advertising, but they're widely, they're widely considered to be one of the very top, or if not the very top AI research company in the world, right? Because they essentially, um, this industry, like the Microsofts, the Apple, um, when they first emerged, the companies that were dominating these spaces were, were you know, IBM, Xerox. Um, those were the companies that missed out on the big opportunity that was personal computing and the internet and everything that evolved from it. Um, but you have to wonder about how much these those companies, the, the tech giants today learned culturally from that um, because they seem to have such a focus on innovation and disruption and finding new ways of doing things. It, it almost seems like they learned something from their predecessors. There's this movie um, that was interesting, and it, it, it's on the movie. Was, it was called Pirates of Silicon Valley, and it was, it was basically about like the early days of Apple and Microsoft as they were just emerging um, when they were um, you know, developing the graphic, uh, the Windows systems, like the graphic user interface on computers and the mouse. And I know it's just a movie, but it's the, the, the way that, that the movie portrayed the culture of the, of the giants at the time, the IBMs and the Xeroxes, is that they were just extremely rigid in terms of thinking um, and in terms of how they were trying to innovate their companies. And they almost just kind of scoffed at the idea of doing something like using something called a mouse or, or how, you know, why um, an individual would need a personal computer. Like they were so blind to, to the opportunity and um, that's what gave you know the opportunity for these smaller companies to come in and start dominating the the tech space. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, maybe these companies will continue to innovate and evolve over the next thirty years, and they we will see a few of them. And the question too for me would be uh, outside of innovation, but um, can they at that size and the market dominance that they have? Is there you know the regulatory risk? Is there a breakup risk in these companies too? So maybe. You know, when you look back 30 years from now, some of them do exist, but they're in parts. So they may not be the largest companies in the world because they get broken up. But, you know, there is 
I do agree with Aaron. There's more of a, a culture of innovation with these companies today. But, you know, one of the reasons, you know, to go back to what we look at, we do look at small cap companies all the time and we're always looking for the next big company, uh, the next company that can come in and these little innovative companies out there and potentially, you know, you can find those. But, you know, I, 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 if I had to guess, I wouldn't bet that zero of the 20 top companies in the world today would make the list 30 years going forward. I don't think that would be my bet. I think there would be at least a com- uh, some of them in some form on that list 30 years going forward because of the way those businesses differ from, you know, if you look back in you know, 30 years ago, the, the, you know, there's a lot of banks, Exxon's on there, GE, Toyota, uh, Numira, Royal Dutch Petroleum, so Nippon Steel, all of these companies. Uh, the culture of innovation relative to these businesses 30 years ago at these businesses, at least that's what we're told today is uh, night and day. Yeah, a couple that I think could be on there, you know, in, in 20 or 30 years uh, would be Amazon and Alphabet. But, uh, you know, you guys will have to uh, or we'll have to look back at this in, in 20 years to, you know, see if I'm right. But I would you know, take a, an educated guess and say that they they would stay there because, you know, they are tech leaders. I do agree, you know, kind of with what Aaron was saying. Um, I believe that those names are, are pretty nimble with, uh, you know, kind of adapting. Um, yeah. And then just another point too, I think that it is interesting that, uh, is that LVMH? Is that Louis Vuitton technically? Is that, um, I think they're on there as well, um, which just is kind of interesting that, uh, you know, uh, um, an expensive products company essentially is up there uh, from France. You know, I just usually you would expect it just to be kind of a lot of big tech names and innovative companies. But, uh, you know, seeing seeing a company like that with premium products up there, it does it does surprise me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Berkshire Hathaway is right smack middle in that list, too. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a diversified product company, sure, and services as well. Now I'm going to look at, we've been looking at some common mistakes investors make when building their portfolio. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit and uh, a couple of initial steps that you can take uh, when you're building that DIY portfolio. The first step that you know, we suggest this all the time in our DIYs is just to review your portfolio. So review those individual holdings. I would start by looking, just take a quick look at each ETF fund and stock and see if you want to continue to own them. If the reason why you bought that fund or stock still exists and is still true today, it may be a company that you or a stock or an investment that you continue to own. If not, uh, it can be one you sell and move to a different uh, position going forward. If you're under diversified, look at the holdings within your portfolio. If you only own two to five stocks, for example, and we've seen that with many clients when they first come to us, that's too much company specific risk. Even if you've done all the research in the world on those two to five companies, you'd likely want to hold a more diverse portfolio. Not a worse portfolio, but diverse. Um, we'll look at over diversified. An example of owning you know, many clients come to us or we hear many uh, stories of Canadian U.S. investors. They have seven to 10 plus ETFs or mutual funds within their portfolio. This is likely far too high. In our full webinars, we typically recommend portfolios consisting of 15 to 25 high quality growth and dividend growth stocks from a diverse set of sectors. But if you add anything plus past 20 individual stocks, really, you're not gaining any advantage from diversification. 
So you can use our research to achieve this type of portfolio or someone else you trust, but know that you know that you can be under diversified, which is a problem. Being over diversified in your portfolio is also a problem. The last point I'll make is high correlation or concentration or duplication of holdings. We see this a lot in Canada. I'll give you an example. There's five big banks, you know, you get six or seven other little banks as well. Um, but many we see, many portfolios own four or five of those banks. There's just high correlation and it's likely unnecessary. Or we see in Canada, there's a, a great deal of the market, energy and mining. If 10 of the 15 stocks you own are oil and gas or mining related, this is far too much concentration in one sector and something that should be addressed within your portfolio. So those are some little tips you can do when you're reviewing your portfolio quickly. Take 5-10 minutes, see if you're uh, under diversified, over diversified, or have some high correlation or concentration, or even some duplicate holdings, basically holding four or five of the big banks. You can improve your portfolio just looking at those three things and, uh, and, and making some steps to build that simplified 15 to 25 stock portfolio. Save some fees and try to beat or best the market over the long term. Yeah. Excellent. Any one comments things, on that? Certainly. One yeah. of the things we talked about in, in the DIY was that you know, there's there's active management and there's passive management. And passive management is about getting wide diversification and not having to do a lot of work, just getting that market return, um, which you can you can passively invest through ETFs, indexed ETFs at a very low cost. And then active management is about investing in individual stocks so that you can outperform the market. Um, so on your passively, if you if you're looking for wide diversification, maybe for all or even a portion of your portfolio. The best way to do that is to go with ETFs and not to build an individual stock portfolio that essentially mirrors the market because you're essentially getting a market return, but for a lot more risk or sorry, a lot more work and, um, you know, potentially higher cost as well. Whereas um, if you want to invest in individual stocks, the purpose is to outperform the market. So to do that, you have to you have to create a portfolio that is going to focus you in certain areas, pockets of strength. Um, and whereby your winners are going to actually matter and make a difference and not just be completely diversified away um, with every stock being a 1% or a half percent of your portfolio. So you can you can do both. You can have a strategy where you combine the two. Um, you can take a portion of your portfolio and say, I want to get some wide diversification with this, you know, go into indexed ETFs. And then with the other portion of your portfolio, you go with active management. But in order to be an effective active active manager, the, the priority needs to be focusing in the right areas as opposed to just getting a little bit of everything. Yeah, and I like the point too that Ryan said at the beginning is just looking at your holdings, making sure you know why you own it, um, you know, and just constantly like, um, you know, going across your in investment thesis on all of your stocks. And if the fundamentals are breaking down uh, on one of those positions, not being scared uh, and holding on for dear life, you know, praying that the fundamentals will turn around. Sometimes they won't. And sometimes the best thing to do is, you know, to sell the stock uh, and, and move on. Um, you know, I've, as we debated Apollo Healthcare a while ago, uh, or a few episodes back, you know, that was one where I, you know, I held it in my portfolio. Um, I, I looked at the investment thesis, it was sort of starting to break down. Um, uh, you know, so 
there I, I went and I sold it for my portfolio and allocated it to a better healthcare stock that I liked. Um, and so far it's been a great decision. Um, so yeah, just constantly looking at those holdings and, uh, you know, making sure those investment theses are intact with the, with the fundamentals. It's always great advice to do. Yeah, you got it. If the original reasons or thesis for purchasing a company um, or purchasing that ETF or fund or index fund within your portfolio are not there anymore, then there shouldn't be much of a reason to continue to hold that going forward. Uh, and de- it's not dependent upon where the company is in terms of the re- price and your return on it. It's dependent upon the fundamentals of that business at that time. If it is no longer uh, th- those fundamental reasons that you bought it are no longer there. Uh, you can sell that position and uh, get into something that uh, you know you believe in for the next one to five to ten years, mm-hmm. and because it's a good growth company over the long term. So let's get into that debate. Uh, we're going to look at Home Depot and Lowe's. Uh, just a brief on Home Depot trades at three hundred and thirty dollars on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, has about a, what, the yield is in the range of 2% right now. The market cap is about $355 billion. As far as lows, trades at $199, roughly in that range, symbol LOW on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, it is, uh, what's the yield on lows? 1.22%, and its market cap right now is $142 billion. So significantly smaller than uh, or Home Depot at this stage. So now, who wants to go first? Who you have the bull case or the uh, pro case? I guess just the case uh, on um, We're uh, both Home the Depot. Pro case yeah, you, you have the case for basically Home Depot, and he has the case for Lowe's. Who wants to go first? Well, I mean, mine is the superior case, so I guess I'll go first. Sure. Well, I guess we'll say brains before beauty, or who wants to be beautiful in this one? I don't know. I think Aaron can take the beauty. Youth before age. Aaron wants to take both. (laughs) We'll see who wins by the end. My my argument here speak for itself. I think it's both intelligent and beautiful myself, but we'll see. Again, I've been calling you a financial model for years, right? (laughs) Thank you. It's very kind. That joke never gets old. No. Okay, so let let let's let's get into uh, Lowe's. Brennan, you are on the clock. I'm gonna pull up my clock here. Yep. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, let us go. Go. Number one, Lowe's has been restructuring the company and increasing profitability by closing underperforming stores. Number two, both companies had similar fiscal 2020 revenue growth of approximately 25%, but Lowe's 2020 diluted EPS grew 41% for the full year, which outperformed Home Depot's EPS growth by, by approximately 24%. Number three, Lowe's currently has higher use of debt on its balance sheet with a net debt to EBITDA multiple of 1.9 times, but I like the company's use of cheap debt right now. Number four, Lowe's trades with a PE multiple of 26 times, which is an 18% premium over its average six-year PE multiple of 22 times, while Home Depot trades at a premium of 33% compared to its average six-year PE multiple. Plus, Lowe's has an EV to EBITDA multiple of 15 times, whereas Home Depot trades with a multiple of 19 times. So seeing that Lowe's trades at more attractive multiples offer similar revenue growth and better EPS growth, I believe Lowe's offers better value going forward. Boom. Eh, just right at the end. Nice. nice. Yeah, I had to time that pretty well. Yeah. 
Yeah, Excellent. well, that was okay. well thought through analysis there, Thank and uh, well done. Interesting how you feel that having higher debt is, uh, is an advantage. <laughs> hey, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, okay, let's do so this. Let me know when Aaron, I'm, you're when ready? I'm ready? You are ready. ready? All right, my friend. Four, three, two, one, go. Home Depot is the largest home improvement specialty retailer in the world with 2,300 stores in North America. Very strong growth in 2020, revenue up 25%, earnings up 16%. Revenue growth has been consistent, averaging 9% over the past three years. It's a staple dividend growth stock, nice yield of 2%. They just increased their dividend 10% in 2020 and three-year average growth of 17%. Analysts are expecting growth to continue at a high single-digit rate over the next three years. And right now, the company's trading an evaluation of 26 times estimates. Finally, relative to Lowe's, Home Depot has stronger operating margins, 14% compared to 11% for Lowe's, higher return on assets at 21% compared to 16% for Lowe's, and acquired a greater share of the market in 2020. $22 billion in additional revenue for Home Depot versus $17.5 billion for Lowe's. All right, you got about eight or ten seconds to spare. You dropped the mic well, on just, that what, one. Eh? What, should we talk about how Brendan thinks that high debt is an advantage? <laughs> okay. Hey, sure. I, mean, I think I think you guys can go into overtime on this one because it's a difficult case, right? Oh so, yeah, I mean, I was a lot go, more confident after I heard Aaron, but uh, but no, my case for the the more the higher debt load is, you know, what I would argue there is that using more of the cheap debt right now they would technically be lowering their weighted average cost of capital so that's essentially you know why i would be going that route because again you know net debt to ebitda multiple of 1.9 times that's not bad um you know so it is reasonable and uh yeah i would just argue that it lowers their weighted average cost of capital a little bit certainly i'm not i'm not aware that that debt is really a problem of lows and i'm, I'm not necessarily insinuating that but i will say everything else equal um you're in a situation where you know lows might be closer to their maximum debt level where home depot would have more capacity to add on additional debt for more growth so i know that um as you said it was higher earnings growth for lows just in the last year but you know how's that going to look going forward if, if home depot can leverage up a little bit more can they drive a little bit more earnings growth for sure uh, so do we do we know either of the two of them what their growth rates are going like expected this year oh expected this year um well if you just go off of analyst estimates um Mm -hmm. i believe lowe's is actually a little bit higher i think that lowe's was like in the low teens and um home depots was in the high single digits but you know that's analyst estimates so take that for what it for what it's worth right for sure and i think the reason maybe you're getting maybe you're getting a little bit higher earnings growth for lowe's in a situation where the company has higher debt. Um, and I think what, what what's really um, leading to that higher EPS growth as well is that um, in 2018, well, even ac- actually around 2016, Lowe's realized that they, they need to kind of focus and uh, their comparable store uh, sales or figures um, weren't looking very good. So essentially... I think in 2018, they ended up closing around 100, 180 stores from my understanding. Um, so that's really, I believe, where the EPS growth is coming in line is they're really just focusing on, you know, I guess, uh, you know, getting higher margins at the stores that are actually, you know, driving growth, essentially. So I believe that that's 
um, why the EPS is growing. But now I would argue, and again, Ryan hasn't made his decision yet, but I would argue, you know, how much further can that growth continue by focusing on or, or getting rid of the stores that are lagging a bit, if you know what I mean, because that's not technically something that's sustainable for a very, very long time into the future. Yeah, I'd be highly um, skeptical at 46%. Mm-hmm. So now I'm starting to uh, taint my... Uh, is not going to be realistic for the company. Um, yeah. Well, I think I'm digging a hole. So. Are, are estimating either. I'm just going to stop talking. So I think I think this one is incredibly close. I, I think my time frame that I'm looking at would really guide me. If I wanted to own... Um, one of these for a year based on the lower valuation and higher growth rate, I'd probably go with Lowe's. If I wanted to own the maybe higher quality year uh, name for three to five years, it'd probably be Home Depot. So what's my time horizon? Aaron's going to say it's three to five years. Well, Brennan's going to say it's one year. You advise clients or other investors typically. Why don't you go with that? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, <laughs> no literally no. literally i like i feel like saying if, if we've never had this in the history it's like it's like a push for me to be honest well it's a push you, yeah you know, I, well you just have to make a call but yeah, I, gonna i'm gonna make a call that we look three to five years out so i'll go with home depot okay. no just kidding fair enough fair enough i thought uh, i had that I one in the bag right choice i thought i had that one in the bag damn it <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's kind of one of those, I was looking at it and it's, it's, it's a pretty similar situation. I'm sure if one does well, I honestly, I could go for a push too. I'm like, I'm, I'm back and forth. I'm on the fence on this one. I have no strong conviction either way. So that, that would be, you know, I would have to have a strong conviction to actually buy one. I wouldn't be buying either right now. I think they're, you know, I don't think they're horrible businesses or anything like Mm -hmm. that, but I do think they both had an uptick that, likely leads to a bit of a, a downtick at some point uh, in terms of growth rate because uh, when people get back to a new norm they're you know and when people aren't cooped up into their backyards I don't think they're going to be doing as many DIY projects I think uh, well, I think I might not be on extra them. money there's been extra money yeah all of that going to restaurants the spigots get turned off at some exactly. point and so, people stop yeah. so I don't think I want to own either one for the next you know year or two near term but you want to, you, you know. want to be somewhat cautious and think yeah. about what you're buying um, with these companies that have benefited from the shutdown because yeah certainly I mean a lot of people once those borders open up are going to want to spend more money yeah. on traveling and that means both that money's going are to flow from elsewhere are at elevated historical multiples too so mm-hmm. you're at that mm-hmm. which many companies are but you know you you have you know, driven by consumer spending and special and consumer spending right like because mm-hmm. it's swayed towards that it's going to sway towards travel uh, you know as a recreational activity rather than building a back deck i mean there's only so many decks we can have in our backyard I would although say, i will say term. that you know maintaining your home yeah, is yeah. somewhat of an essential service too and just based on population growth you're going to have more housing needs you're but are have... you going to build it or are you going to stain it again to maintain it, right? So the yeah, stain no, costs I mean, a heck of a lot, lot of less. Discretionary. A lot of the spending yeah. is discretionary, but not all. Yeah. I almost feel bad for Brandon on this one. I, I feel bad say. for myself, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Or maybe No, I it was don't. a good debate. I had, I had fun. No, it was and, a good uh, debate. It's, it's fun when we, we, when we bring companies that are so similar and uh, realistically, you know, I thought I should have won, but... Uh, no, just kidding. I only kid. But uh, it, it could have went either way. I truly believe that. But, Would you like uh, me to go back and say that you won? 
Yeah, I'm not going to just... do that. Sorry. All right. Rewind let's... the tape. Rewind the tape. <laughs> just... No. All right. Well, that that's going to end our show for this week. Uh, keep your questions coming into our Your Stock, Our Take segments, our debates. If you got two companies that you would like us to put up against each other, uh, maybe you know skew one that's a better one. Send that Brennan's way. Hopefully, he can get a win. We'll answer those questions. And uh, if you've got any you know stocks that you want to look at in your portfolio and get a sober second opinion, we can do that near your Stock, Our Take segment. Continue to rate us. Uh, on fa- on on sorry on iTunes or wherever you get our podcast and we'll continue to produce the content here on a weekly basis. I wish everybody out there profitable investing. Thank you. Profitable investing. Thanks everyone.